All right, episode 70 of Slab City, guys. Ray Mora, Mr. Meg here on yo, this flu and epidemic season, it looks like, because everybody's been getting sick now. Everybody but me. I'm, I'm, I'm this close, but I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to play around with it. I'm going to fight it. It's hey, not going to happen. Yeah, I'm going to drink. Nah, I just drink water with lemon. But speaking of spreading around, you know, the NBA trades and all this stuff has been happening. So I, I have my buddy here, uh, NBA Insider, of course, you can. Follow him on Sports Illustrated. Jared Zwaring, it's nice enough to join us here. Jared, it's Raymond, Mr. Mac. How are you doing today? Everything's good, man. How you guys doing? Good. L- listen, man. Like the whole week, we talking about these trades. Even yesterday, leading up to the trade deadline, and then I don't know where you see Cleveland making all these moves left and right, and, and other teams as well, including the Knicks, because you know what happened to Porzingis and everything. But let's start off with Cleveland, for instance. Does this trade really make them better? Like for them to be coming out of the East? Well, they're obviously in win-now mode. Uh, they did get younger and more athletic, and they're going to have some a great scoring punch around LeBron. The key to me is defensively, right? I mean, the, the Cavs were one of the worst teams in the league defensively, so that's got to be the biggest issue uh, looking ahead. You know, uh, it's still LeBron's conference to lose. It reminds me of Michael Jordan uh, back in the 1990s. You know, you got to go through MJ to get to the finals. Same thing here. The Cavaliers uh, are still going to be a top-three team. The Raptors are playing very well. Celtics, obviously, they're a top team. So, you know, it's going to be interesting, right? 30 more games or so to go. How are they going to get continuity and play together? It's going to take, you know, obviously, uh, some time. It's not going to be an overnight uh, masterpiece. So, But I, I just credit LeBron being not just the best player in the league, but the smartest player and a great leader. And I think, uh, you know, with this all-star break, and, uh, you know, I'm sure he'll be talking to his guys and going over plays and strategy. I'm sure he'll be busy, obviously, for the all-star game, but I know, he really wants to get back to the NBA Finals, so I'm sure behind the scenes, knowing LeBron, he'll be texting his guys. I'm sure they'll be going over scouting reports. I'm sure he'll be, uh, you know, even texting, uh, texting clips and things like that. So I, I, he's, he's already pretty much engaged right now. Um, so uh, hopefully after the All-Star break, he'll be ready to go and, and be able to get back to the NBA Finals, which I which I still 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 expect. I'm curious, man. Um, he really let. D Wade just—he <laughs> really sent D Wade out the door. That cracks me up. What do you think the reception is going to be for D Wade back in Miami, back under the Pat thing? Like, what are you thinking? I'm so so excited. Well, I'm from Miami. Uh, I actually covered the Miami Heat. I was at the very first practice that Wade had in Miami. It was, it was 2003 after the draft uh, during a, uh, a fast break or uh, some kind of a half court offensive set. I saw him miss the shot, and Wade came out of nowhere, had a putback dunk. And I remember that. We were all, we all looked at each other, all the media there, just really? That guy just did that? And we all knew Wade uh, from the tournament. You know, he was a junior at Marquette in the triple double against Kentucky. Yeah. And obviously, Pat, Pat Riley played at Kentucky, so that right away uh, got his attention. But, um, you know, Wade, I, I interviewed him a lot in Miami, you know, just the way that he embraced the city, not just the fans and basketball, but, you know, the lifestyle, the fashion, art. Uh, I covered one event where he brought his two sons to an art gallery, and basically he painted uh, different murals with, but while dribbling a basketball cover with paint. So he did a lot of cool things in Miami, and, and I know the city is so excited about having him. I'm, I texted Udonis to have him as a friend, and I said, man, where is Wade partying in Miami? Because I want to be at that party. <laughs> uh, so, uh, But anyway, very exciting time. Um, I know he's obviously older now. He won't be the same Dwayne Wade, the same Flash. His nickname, but you know, one thing about Wade uh, that he'll bring to Miami is well, actually, a couple things. One, I, I don't know if you've ever been to a game in Miami, but fans arrive late 
Uh, it's a South Beach entertainment crowd. They, they arrive usually in the second, third quarter. That so that really annoys um, me about them. That yeah, really, really annoys me yeah. about my. They fans. come late. They can be but the I'm playoffs. You, we're way now there. Fans will be there early again. Fans will be in the seats. And Wade's a great closer. He's not going to obviously break break too many guys down off the dribble, but he'll he's smart enough to make the right play, whether it's his own shot or the pass to a guy to make the last shot. So. I'm really excited to see how we will do in four quarter situations. Uh, the Heat want that number four spot in the East. They can definitely get it. Um, you know, I do expect uh, the top three to be the uh, Celtics, Cavs, Raptors, and that four spot's still open. So I think the Heat is really looking at that. Can they get home court and get that? Um, looking at uh, Wade, though, you know, is it is it fair to say that this this possibly could be his last season with Miami, or is he going to play like another year or two with them? Yeah, I don't think this is the last, uh, you know, go around. I, I think he'll, you know, Udonis Haslam had an interview yesterday where he said, you know, he expected Wade to, to return to Miami next year. So, I mean, Wade, I think, has a couple more years, no question. Um, and beyond that, I can see him maybe transitioning to the Heat front office, so something like that. You know, Pat Riley and him are, are definitely connecting again, so I'm sure they're talking about future plans beyond him playing. Um, but, you know, Wade has so many investments and interests, business interests that – uh, he he's fine, you know. He's got a lot of stuff globally in China with his leading deal, and he's yeah. got uh, fashion stuff and all sorts of things. So, but yeah, I, I expect him to be there at least a couple more years, and obviously the Jersey retirement to happen there and all that. But um, you know, Wade, uh, you know, it's interesting, right? Because Wade and Cleveland didn't really play a whole lot. He came off the bench, which he'll be doing tonight. Uh, when he makes his debut uh, with the Heat again, he'll be coming off the bench. So yeah, you know, uh, I'm curious to see how he does in that role, but. Will he be able to play more minutes, and will he be more? Will he, be, will he have more shots in the offense? So, I'm curious how much more he he has left as an offensive, potentially, let's say, a second option, third option. But let's see how he can do with more shots. Um, you know, looking at his overall game for Wade, I mean, he's been known to be a slasher and everything. So, you know, he's gotten older. You know, he's gotten less productive on the court, but he has been right. in spurts, been effective. But is there a way where he has to say himself that really like? I know you're saying it's not his last season, but changing his game around for the last couple of years, knowing that he might just have to be a guy that just shoots mid-range shots and and, yeah. and try to make threes, even though he hasn't been known to be a good three-point shooter. Yeah, I mean, three-point shooting will be really important for him in this offense. You know, he's going to have to play a lot more off the ball. He's not going to be tasked to facilitate like he did in Miami. As you remember, in Miami, he was really more of a point guard. Uh, that was really how he established himself. So in this offense, he'll still do some of that. Wade's a very good passer, but I, yeah. I see him. I see him. You know, if you go back to when he was in Chicago two years ago, he became a pretty good three point shooter. I was at a game in L.A. where he had like, I think six threes in the first half. So you know, he talked about how he's been really working on that three. So you know, we'll see if he can do that in this offense. Um, and he's also a good post up guy. So you know, as you, as you see, have you seen, have you, as you've seen in NBA history, a lot of guards that were very explosive became somewhat more post-up guys, right, to yeah. uh, alleviate, alleviate some of the pressure from the perimeter so that they have less running room to score. Plus, Wade's big. You know, he's six foot uh, six. He's got – not six foot six, but he's, got, he's about six three. But he's got some weight on him. He's got like 220 on him. So he's pretty sturdy and strong as a guard. So I expect him in some post-ups. Uh, he has, like I said, great court vision, so he's a good passer. But, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think also Spolster is such a smart coach that he's going to know exactly where to play Wade. Um, and I think I'm not concerned about that. They know each other so well, so it's a great uh, mar- uh, marriage in many ways of them, of them to know how to exactly play Wade. 
Um, and the minutes will be key, right? At the end of the day, it's all about what, what is he going to do in the minutes on the court. If it's 20 minutes again, 25, he's going to maximize himself in that time. So that's the key is how much time he'll be playing and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, going back to Cleveland's situation, I know they got this new roster and everything. You know, you, right. have, you have Jordan Clarkson, you have Larry Nance Jr., you have George Hill, you got Robin Hood. I mean, are these guys really the ones that are going to elevate? I know you said, like, they're probably a team to be in the East, most likely because of LeBron and everything. But is there any way and where you look at a scenario where the team may just not gel, even even with all those guys, even though they got younger and everything? Well, I, I think uh, it's going to be a big adjustment because, I mean, in L.A., they weren't playing with a, such a big star. Um, you know, Larry Nance Jr. and Jordan Clarkson did play one year with uh, Kobe Bryant. But Kobe was really towards the end, uh, and he was on his way out. LeBron's still in the prime of his career. So it's definitely going to be adjusting for those guys to really now, uh, you know, have to defer a lot to LeBron. Um, and I, I, I hope that LeBron does a great job really – you know he's having a career year. He's averaging some of the best points. Some of the he's having some of his best statistics in ten years. So, you know, I'm curious how he also defers to the young guys. So it's going to be it's a learning curve, no question about it. But I, I hope that um, I hope that they do adjust well, and I hope that they definitely play a good transition game. You know, with Jordan Clarkson and uh, Larry Nance Jr. and Ronnie Hood and George Hill. I mean, they're going to be able to obviously now with younger guys be able to push and, and play faster and that's important to know because the Warriors if they meet them in the finals the Warriors like to control transition and control pace yeah well the Cavaliers can can do that a little bit more with their younger roster um and also I, I will say this I do like the idea that with Rodney Hood especially who's a great scorer on 20 points per game points per game you know he'll be able to now alleviate some pressure off LeBron where he won't have to play many, maybe as many minutes and, and as you know in the last eight nine years LeBron's been playing 110 plus games into it through through june so any way to help out lebron you know reduce some of his playing time is always a good thing at his age so um that's that's a great thing so if it all works out they got a great pace but if they're playing defense that's the most important thing like i said then i think they'll be they'll be pretty good and certainly look at lebron the past couple of years he's been playing a lot of minutes but i feel like even when he gets pieces he still plays a lot of minutes it's almost like do or die with lebron in any situation yeah, all the time. That's how it is, man. It's always win now mode. I was amazing. I got four guys. Not, I thought they'd just get maybe one, but four. Uh, yeah. Pretty impressive. So, um, you know, the Lakers did get a lot of cap space, so that's good for them to rebuild. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, the Eastern Conference is still, you know, in some ways a little weaker than the West. So, um, you know, with the Celtics and, and the, the Raptors playing very well, the other teams are still really – not sure what the, what their identity is. You know, the Bucks should have been better this year. I thought the Wizards. I thought should have been better. Hell but yeah, you know, the these teams are, are are pretty still average. So it, it helps the Cavaliers a lot to know that they can still play. Uh, they can still play a, a team without an identity and still play 500 basketball in the first round and pretty much get out of that first round. So beyond that, we'll see. But you know, at the end of the day, man, it's LeBron James conference to lose. Like I said, and and the Celtics and and Raptors do not have a player at LeBron's caliber. So um, now with this new supporting cast, it makes them definitely more dangerous in the East. Do you think this guarantees that LeBron stays with the Cavs after after the season? Man, you know, I I would say yes, and I also think that you know, there's only a few places to me that LeBron I think would seriously consider. Maybe the Houston Rockets is one. 
Um, the Philadelphia 76 was are really interesting with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Um, you know, the, the thing is, like, one thing about LeBron, and I'm sure this is on his mind, is legacy and perception. He went through a lot when he left uh, Cleveland to go to Miami in 2010. You know, that TV production and, and just the, the mad backlash from that. You know, LeBron to go somewhere and, uh, again, somewhere new like that at this age, at this point of his career, you know, I don't know if he wants to do that and goes through a whole transition and, you know, all that, all that stuff out of Cleveland, all the maybe backlash you get and see his, uh, a jersey burn. You know, as you see now in the NBA now, like on social media, fans burn jerseys a lot. So mm-hmm. you know, does, does he want to see all that again? Does he want to have to go through all the questions and, you know, why would you do that? And, like, are you crazy? And then maybe his image takes a drop. I don't know. But to me, I don't know, I don't know what LeBron's thinking. Obviously, I haven't talked to him lately, but – I can tell you, I'm sure he's thinking about that a lot. And does he want to go through? Even what Kevin Durant went went through going to okay, going to Golden State. Does LeBron want to go through any of that? So, I see him staying personally. If he leaves, where do you think he's going? Because I've heard some very interesting. Yeah, spots and yeah. I, where, where is he going to go? I, I've oh. heard the LA talk. I don't really buy it because I don't think he's going to win um, with LA. Uh, and right, I also think right. I also think that that's Kobeville. I don't think anything he does will ever pass him by, get him over Kobe. And I think he yeah, wants no, to be someplace where he'll have his own legacy, his own his, his own, own legacy. Thing. I think I yeah. the the interesting thing I heard this morning that actually scared me is the idea of him going to Houston. Yeah, I mean that's that's interesting. Uh, James Harden, the best scorer in the league. Chris Paul still playing really good basketball. I was at the game the other night against Brooklyn Nets. I mean, he looks fantastic as a two-guard, playing off the ball from James and shooting the three-point ball really well right now. So, yeah, I mean, the, the Lakers have Lonzo. If, if LeBron goes there, you can obviously track the second superstar. Maybe it's Paul George, but the Thunder are a team to watch in the West, so we'll see what happens with Paul George. So it's a, it's a lot of – a lot depends on what happens in this playoffs, you know, um, how the Rockets do, what they need, how the Thunder do, what they need. Um but uh, I can tell you, you know, the idea that the Cavs they get these four young guys that are that are all really good should should maybe help convince LeBron to stay. And we'll see how the next thirty games play out. Um, I I personally don't think he's going to leave. I mentioned the legacy part. I also think because LeBron, in many ways, is the general manager of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, that's a fact. You know, he, he's, able, <laughs> he's able to get he's able to get guys to come to him. He doesn't have to go anywhere else. They come to him. So. Um, the Golden State thing was talked about recently in a report. LeBron said it's completely, completely uh, not not right, not factual. So I guess we can rule that out. But yeah, there's only like you said, you know, there's only a few places where I think he considered Houston for sure, um, going to LA and bringing another superstar with him. Beyond that, I mean, what teams out there? You know, I know Giannis would love to play with LeBron. Is, is Milwaukee? Is Milwaukee a place that? I mean, it's very close to Cleveland. Would, would, would LeBron? Would LeBron go to? Milwaukee, or I mean, through some uh, trade, uh, you know, out east. The only team I could see that may be intriguing to him is the Philadelphia 76ers. They have the best, you know, one-two punch in the east right now, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. I mean, LeBron could slide in there right at that three spot, right? Yeah. So uh, I'm sure he's looking at that, too, that situation. And Brett Brown's a hell of but a guy, if, hell of a coach. But if we're talking so, about legacy and he's going to yeah. leave and take another hit to his legacy, we all know the only thing that cures – yeah. The damaged image is another chip. The best another chip. The right. best uh chip. the best room, the best team that the team that gives him the best chance to get another chip if he's gonna leave is Houston. He goes to Houston 
it now becomes a fair fight between them and Golden State. Like now it's it's all tied up. They got Durant, we got LeBron. You got you got uh this guy, we got that guy. You got this guy, we got that guy. Like it all becomes like now it's a real slugfest and it's, it comes yeah. down to like coaching and the bench and everything else and who's deeper. It's true. Yes. No. Yeah, I'm with you. I just think if he's if he's gonna leave, if he's gonna leave, I'm not saying he's definitely leaving, but I felt like if he was gonna leave, the place to go is that if you go anyplace else, you're rebuilding for at least a year and some change. If you go to Houston, it's almost automatic. I tell this, Jared, though, and and this is funny because I was talking to um somebody else here in the office. Um, the places where where LeBron went, went Ohio, and he went to Miami. They have no tax in one of them. And, and Houston has no tax because Texas is like there's oh, no yeah, state tax. Yeah, so there's right. a there's a scenario in which he does go to Houston because a he won't be paying a lot of taxes and b he looking at the team and saying if I go to them I have a chance of being the Golden State and possibly in the finals. I mean, and you I, get you get two of the banana boys. You get two of the banana boat boys. It, uh, it could be him exactly. and his and his buddy Chris Paul, which we all know he's crazy. He's crazy close to Chris Paul. Yeah. So what do you think, Jerry? You think that scenario could happen, knowing that if he goes to Houston and all the taxes besides the taxes, of course, but like just looking at the team itself that he has a better chance to win the chip in Houston yeah yeah I mean uh, the, the problem is you still got the Golden State Warriors with four all-stars <laughs> they're not going away yeah he, he, he maybe so, can add another guy uh, to that team if he gets the, there the thing, the thing is staying in the Eastern Conference is still a good thing <laughs> that's true because yeah, there's a stay in, all stay in the East man yeah. stay in the East as long as the Warriors are in the West my <laughs> thing is stay in, the, stay in the East my man stay in the East <laughs> Is there a scenario in which he goes to the Knicks? The Knicks? Yeah. Any no. scenario? No. Next question? <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of the Knicks, though, you know, we heard the news about Porzingis and the torn ACL, and, and that devastated us as fans because we thought this guy was going to be on the rising star and, and also in the all-star game and the skills challenge. He's not going to do any of that because he'll be rehabbing for the next 10 months or possibly a year. But they did a trade for Emmanuel Moutier. Does this do anything for the Knicks, or are they just trying to tank as much as possible to get in the top? Five or top three pick in the draft. Uh, you said Moutier, right? Yeah. Moutier? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, Moutier is interesting because he was such a, uh, a highly touted prospect coming out of high school, and you know we haven't really seen what he's maybe capable of in the NBA. He's still only 21 years old, which is great. And in Denver, it's interesting because Denver and New York sort of seem similar. When he played in Denver, he was playing alongside a lot of guards: Gary Harris, Jamal Murray. Uh, you know, they were very deep. Will Barton, they were very deep at that guard spot. So, you know, he even started coming off the bench after he started. Now he come in New York, Fred Nicolina, Tim Hardaway Jr., Courtney Lee, Trey Burke. He's now playing alongside a lot of guards. So it's almost like he's almost like in the same situation as he was in Denver. You know, can he can he find his, his spot in his team and, and, and shine? So, um, and like I said, he's coming off the bench. Uh, he was coming off the bench in, in uh, Denver. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious what he's going to bring and, uh, I hope that he blossoms in New York. I think he's definitely talented. He's a very quick guard. He does pretty much all the stuff that you like to see in a combo guard. He can shoot, score, pass, transition. So um, has to get better defensively. So, but um, yeah, no, I, I think it was it was at least a good move to get a young, somewhat talented point guard that's above average. And maybe if he's able to stay in New York, they can develop him, and he's going to be able to be a good one. And maybe he'll be the starting, the full time starting point guard in New York. We'll see. Okay. I got one theory. I got one idea. If I could, if I could take Jeff Hornacek aside and put together a lineup for him, I would tell him that we need to start Trey Burke. 
needs to play with Tim Hardaway Jr. because they already have a rapport. They've already played college together. They know each other. Let Burt get his minutes up, playing with Tim Hardaway Jr. Put uh, the new forward in. What's 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 the kid who played last night? Hicks. Hicks. Not either Hicks or the other guy because the other guy actually was pretty good. The the seven footer that Luke, was out there. Luke Keenan. What, what was that? His last name Keenan. I think that's him. I'm like, yeah. I think so. If I'm like correct, well, it was Luke though. But yeah, he was he was playing out there. Put him in there as put him in there as forward. Then you got Cantor at the five, and you know you you round that out. Yeah. Right. I my thing is I think they should move Frank to small forward. I think with his defensive mindset and the fact that he's such a terrible passer, I see a whole lot of I see a whole lot of Kawhi Leonard in him, and I think he can actually be an athletic small forward. And uh, with his defensive prowess, like that—that's what really reminds me of uh, of um, a Frank. of of Kawhi Leonard. Oh, Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, I think Frank reminds me a lot of Kawhi Leonard with that defense becoming an offensive monster. I think Frank can do that. And then on the second lineup, you bring Courtney Lee off the bench. You bring uh, Moody A off the bench. You start you start him off the bench with Frank with uh with Lee. So you got the one and the two punch. You got Beasley. Mm-hmm. So you got scoring coming. And you got uh, KO, who I wish we would have traded instead of Willie. Uh, but you know, w- what do you think? Am I am I just blowing smoke here, or you know, what do you think? No, I, I think you're right about Lina being not a point guard. He's he's tall enough, about six five, six six, great defensively, and he's really evolved as a good shooter uh, this year, especially from three. So I I can see him as really an off ball player. Um, and I, obviously the defense is really, really great to see from a rookie, not not backing down from these stars, man. Like even Kyrie after the Celtics game said, "Man, this he guy can defend." Kyrie up, he I did. Loved it. I loved yeah, it. so there's there is some interest there. I, I like the I like what you're saying. Uh, the three, maybe. Um, I think he's a better ball creator, so maybe you want him at the at two. Um, but uh, you know, also at the one, you know, I do like that he's resolved. He, I'm sorry, he shows resolve in, in four quarter situations. I like that he's very poised and and uh, and you know he played a lot of down the stretch this year with Porzingis in that pick and roll. So that's good to see. I I, I think uh, I think he's definitely maybe one two three. I don't think we have to label him really as a three, but I could see him slotting in other positions just for his height, his length. He can guard multiple positions, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's important. That's really important in the NBA today. What do you think of this situation, though? Like, he's only 19, and I, I know some crazy stuff, but, I mean, if Ben Simmons could grow to, like, seven feet, like, he just keeps growing. I mean, yeah. Frank could grow to possibly six, seven, six, eight. He could probably be an Andre Iguodala to us instead of a guy who, right. who's, who's passing and who's gotten better and ball handling makes everybody around him better, is athletic. I mean, there's a chance that Frank could be in that role to small four, and if that happens... You know, that helps out for the Knicks. They have more length. They have more defense. And he's been known to be a good defender. He's going to keep improving as a defensive player. And he's going to keep improving as a shooter. I mean, do you see that yep. scenario possibly happening? That he could be probably like an equal dollar type of role. Not Kawhi Leonard, but like an equal dollar. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that too. Um, I, I think, like I said, the only thing though, is I see him more as a ball creator. I see him more as a uh, more of a, more of a floor leader. Iguodala, I think, um, you know, was a really true three. Um, and... Uh, I think just a little bit better athletically, athletically, and attacking the basket and dunking on guys and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, he would all is able to create to himself, but I just see Frank really more um, in that four leader spot and setting up the offense. And um, I'm trying to think of a comparison. I was just trying to think as you were saying, Iguodala, like you know what what Frank could be or 
Julius. I don't know. I mean, it's still, he's only still, still he's about 19 years old. So yeah. Um, but the good thing is that he has all the assets you want to see in a rookie. He definitely does not back down from the stars. Plays great defensively. He hits that three point shot with confidence. Also yeah. off the off the off the dribble in the mid range. I talked to his trainer Chris Brickley about that. You know, just a lot of confidence and and uh, he development shoot it in that lot, area. Though. He won't shoot. So, he won't shoot as yeah, much so. as I'd like to see him. That's my only pre. Yeah. That's my only problem with putting him at the point or at the two. I feel we have better two guards and better yeah. point guards available to us right now, and where we're lacking is in forwards. And yeah. you know, I think, I think uh, a a court a court wise forward you know a point forward in the mix i don't i think that just that's just an asset a forward who also can you know pass and has good court vision and is you know can can do those kind of things with kp on the floor like i think that's a great look and i think if we're going to try and start turning this thing around and developing players and you you have this in the embryonic stage you can help him move forward in that right way yeah yeah for sure i mean porzingis 21 22, uh, Nicolina 19, you know, uh, Ludier 21. So there's a few young guys now that, uh, you know, other, there's other young guys in the roster as well, of course. But, you know, there's a few young guys that they really should develop, uh, focus on, and, and build. You know, Porzingis is a year away now. So developing young guys needs to be needs to be an emphasis because they're not going to start getting all these top players. They have to really focus on who they have and developing them so that when Porzingis does come back, they, they can all complement each other very well in those moments. Yeah, and you know, looking at the future, I mean, what do you think of the future of the Knicks going to be in the next couple of years? I mean, are they going to tank this? Year? We all know they're not going to make the playoffs. We know that. I mean, even with Porzingis, they probably were going to miss uh, it. Regardless. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I don't think playoffs will, will happen. I, yeah, not, especially now, now with Porzingis. So you gotta, you gotta just try to, you know, uh, have a good fight. Um, I think, again, the key is the development, not so much wins losses. It's really development. That's key. So guys have confidence in staying in New York, wanting to be here. Get ready for the summertime and let's go. And then KP hopefully returns in, in February where the Knicks are, uh, I guess, in, in some type of way where they can maybe fight for a, a, a late playoff spot. But, you know, I, I think it's still, I think next year is still, will still be very difficult because KP, being that he's a big man and has to run so much and yeah. he's so versatile, I think he'll, we won't see the full KP back until really the start of the 2019-2020 season. Yeah, and then, then we don't know on the draft if they – I think personally for me, if they were going to draft somebody, they have to draft either a small forward or a shooting guard that could be a player that can be pairing with Porzingis, in my opinion. We've got right. great shooting guards. Tim but, Hardaway Jr. No, is a great Tim shooting Hardaway guard. Tim Hardaway Jr. is a Lee good player. Lee is a good shooting he's a guard. good player, but he's not a franchise player. He need, no, they need but, a franchise. Like a small forward would be perfect for – Porzingis, because if you have a small forward that can ball handle and can score and and can play with Porzingis and he can put pressure off him and he's durable, because we've seen right now Porzingis, even though he's just young, you know he's having all these injuries and you have this injury and it's just a, a freak accident, of course. But if you no, but it's because we got a coach player, who's playing the hell out of him and giving him and he he doesn't rotate well. His rotations are crap. Only Mark Jackson can save us. That's it, how it, I feel. I you, feel. I feel we need Mark Jackson in here. To develop these players and get us where we need to be. John, is there a scenario where Mark Jackson will ever coach his team if Hornsack is let go? Mm, I don't know. I, I think uh, coming back to New York as a, as a New York guy, former New York guy, yeah. I mean, I think that's a great job. Um, you know, you can always feel like you feel like you have the opportunity to build something back up and you know that you're the one that, that did it. You're the one that left that intro on that team. Um, but, uh, you know, the Knicks – 
you know, like I said, there's, there's so many questions, man. KP's out, so yeah. I, I would, I would, pers- I would personally say stick to the ESPN job. Uh, don't have to worry so much about the coaching plans or enjoy it. So no, no, we got to put good energy in the air. We need Mark Jackson to come back. Is is Mark Jackson a Scott Perry type of guy though? That's the question too. Or are you looking for somebody else? Is is Scott Perry like is Mark Jackson a Scott Perry type of guy that he wants, or is there somebody else that he has in mind if he lets Hornsack go? Uh, I'm not sure, man. I mean, I think um, it's it's hard now to to think about even letting go of Hornacek with KP going down. I mean, yeah, you can't really blame Hornacek. It, uh, it, it's just it's just a, it's just bad timing, man. It would feel weird right now. Um, that seems like more of an off season play right now. So, uh, you know, I haven't heard that news out about Hornacek traveling on. It's more just about trying to get uh, the young guys in and, and development. So, um, you know, the Knicks uh, did start off the season really well. Um, it was tough that KP was out so much in and out with day-to-day injuries, mix and act. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully, um, hopefully they can show some fight here towards the end of the season and and, make, and do some good things. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, so. Before we let you go, I ask you two things. One, your pick of defensive player of the year was Chris Paul earlier in the season. You still stand by that, even though it's half of the season's almost almost over. Wait, say uh, you say before earlier in the season, you said that Chris Paul will be defensive player of the year. Do you still stand with that, knowing there's only like a few games left of the season? Chris Paul, um, yeah. I mean, I, I would say I, don't, I wouldn't say he's up there probably as a leader. I mean, I do like what Paul George has done a lot. I yeah. think he's still very, very overrated, and in, in the sense of like just the offensive score, offensive firepower in OKC. So, I would say Paul George just for being that glue guy there and locking in. I. If you watch the other night against the Warriors, he did a fantastic job locking in on on Clay Thompson, which was awesome to see. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, who else? I would say, uh, you know, KP was the guy I think to start the year, and I, I think that was amazing because he was not not just scoring so much, but really also doing on the defensive end. The load on that guy to do all that really impressive. Um, you know, I think Giannis uh, for for the most part, you know, you could always put you could always put him in the mix now, but a Durant. Um, you can put Durant there. Yeah, yeah, Durant. Yeah, yeah shot shot blocking leader. Yeah, so I like Paul George though. I think being the glue guy, new city, new new town, new teammates. They also a lot of superstars. I think his defense has gone really under the radar because they have so much offensive firepower there. Yeah, and also it's like top five in steals, so that that helps out with George. Yeah. Okay, what about your MVP? If you had it to to do either like by the end of the season, who do you think is going to be MVP? Uh. MVP. I'm gonna say. I vote James Harden. I got James Harden. Yeah, yeah, I'll probably say James Harden, man. I think uh, just what, what, you, what can you say about him, man? He keeps getting better as a scorer. Uh, did a great job giving, giving, uh, you know, uh, I guess um, just a, really helping Chris Paul adjust there. You know, that was important. Kind of like deferring to him, playing together so well. Um, just, just their success, their, their, their win loss success speaks for itself. You know, Harden's had some huge games, sixty point games. So it's hard to root against him, and I think what he's done and how he keeps getting better, which is incredible, um, and uh, the team's success. I think that's the key. You know, it's the best player on on well, the best team, but one of the best teams. And the Warriors have four All Stars, so yeah, it's almost like they kind of it's almost like they kind of cancel each other out. So James Harden, and then maybe after that Kyrie, but. Harden does it every night consistently, and they're the second best team in the West. So that to me is is the difference. Okay, well, what about your rookie of the year? Who you got? Hey guys, I'm really sorry, but I do have to jump, man. Oh yeah, uh, jump, all right. 
Yeah, I do not know. All right, uh, all right. Yeah, but um, no, rookie, real, real, real quick, rookie of the year, I'm going to go, man, probably Ben Simmons. Ben okay, Simmons, interesting. Okay. All right, all right, that's okay. cool. Good pick. Thanks, right. thanks for being ben here, Simmons. man. Yeah, thanks for being here, man. Hey, we'll be in guys. touch. Appreciate you. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. But yeah, you know, uh, this interesting stuff. You know, the one thing that I know for sure is that um, I think Rookie of the Year. He said Ben Simmons. I, I, I personally think it's Donovan Mitchell because the guy's been playing out of his mind in Utah. But looking at the record of the 76ers, where they're at, or the AFC, you could give it to Ben Simmons. I, I, I lean more towards Ben Simmons. But it's if you if Utah got it, I, I really wouldn't be upset. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can, I can, I can kind of see an argument for both of those sides. And they're they're very good arguments, whereas Ben Simmons has kind of become almost the franchise for his. You know what I mean? He's, yeah. he's one of the go to guys for his team. But um, uh, you know, man, a, a a case can be made for if their record was better. My guy over at the Mavericks. Who? Uh, Who Dennis uh, Smith. Yeah, Dennis Smith Jr. has been. Like, he hasn't been. Open. He hasn't been shooting well though. That's the thing. Like, he, he's been... I just said a case could be... He's like a poor man Steve Francis now on the court. You know, they're all killing Lonzo. Everybody's killing Lonzo. <laughs> he's though. not even playing, though. Yeah, they were killing him when he was playing. And it's funny is that he they had a bad record when he wasn't playing, but now they're winning these games without him. And I think that's good for the team because now it tells you that, you know, they're a team. They're not just Lonzo Ball or Bus right. or whatever. You know, they were still not winning many games with Ball. But with Ball coming back with that Lakers team, they got a new... They got Isaiah now coming. Which, which we didn't, which very we didn't talk to Jared about, but the whole Isaiah thing. Listen, I think everybody in some situation in their jobs or whatever they do, they have that one guy who just comes in thinking he owns the place and he talks <laughs> crap, and then you're like thinking in the back of your head, you're like, who is this guy? Like, what does he think he is? He's just coming here like that, and, and no one likes him because his attitude and this and that, and and then he he gets either traded or, or in the real world you would get fired because the boss mm-hmm. is like getting other people's opinions saying that he's being a jerk or he has a bad attitude and then you know they let him go which you don't want to do but listen your attitude is what dictates your success in your job and what you do you know you could be the best worker but if you have a bad attitude with the boss or whatever they gotta let you go i I do not think that was his problem i think it was his injury you think the hip injury i think i think had he not injured himself and had he come in with the same offensive capabilities that he had in boston right what I believe happened to him was a perfect storm of bad situations and circumstances. He didn't want to be traded from Boston. I, I think that's number one. Yeah. I think because you can't because you can't perform as well as you did when you were in Boston and Cleveland. Yeah. Number two, I think the fact that you're dealing with a whole different coach who doesn't know how to make up for your uh, defensive liabilities for the things you can't do defensively the way his coach used to. And now he's over here with Tyron Lue, and Tyron Lue doesn't. Not only does he not know how to cover for your defensive inabilities, but everybody's playing bad defense. It's true. So you can't even really point at the smallest guy on the court and say, hey, your defense sucks. Dude, everybody's running past everybody on the team. So, But they can't play Kevin Love either. I mean, Kevin Love's been like the scapegoat of everything. Yeah, but no, I, that's why I said the team itself <laughs> plays bad team defense, and that's on the coach, period. Somebody's just – and him coming – from the Boston Celtics. A system place type, by the way, because that's how he was so successful is that he had players around him to be successful. And facts. Stevens covered to help his weaknesses on that's, defense. That's, that's what I just said. That's yeah. what I was just saying. And yeah. the fact that he comes from that environment, right? Yeah. 
where he sees what good defense looks like. And then he comes over here. And it's horrendous. And it's horrendous. And he says something about it, which maybe he shouldn't have done. I don't think he should have said that. I think he shouldn't say it to the point where he was like leader of the team, which he clearly isn't. No, but he, he knows what he's talking about. He knows, but not that way. Not no, saying no, like that. Yeah. I, that's, that's, I'm agreeing with you 100%. I yeah. don't think he necessarily should have said it in general. I don't think he should have said it like that specifically. However, 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 he wasn't wrong. He wasn't. He wasn't wrong. He didn't lie about anything he said. He's, <clears throat> it seems like we all go our separate ways the second we face any kind of diversity. We all just start doing our own thing. Which is, I think, the most common thing you can see in sports, but also in life. When things don't go your way... Everybody you, breaks the team up and just... They do their own thing. Or they do their own thing. And Which, like, oh. so, so I don't understand... I understand why they didn't want him saying it. I understand why he shouldn't have said it. I understand why maybe he should have changed the way he said it. But... You, how much are we really angry at him for telling the truth, Cleveland? He didn't tell you anything that we don't all see. We all see it. As soon as it gets a little difficult offensively, you, you forget the schemes. You just go do. Everybody starts freelancing, and you leave these wide open holes. Mm-hmm. You don't trust the other. You don't trust your teammates. You come over trying to help, and you leave your guy wide open, and you forget that your guy is the one who shoots threes, or your guy yep. is the one who dunks, or your guy is the one with the mid range. And you just leave them out by himself. They pass the ball. They score. And you just look terrible. LeBron's getting ran down on. Everybody on the team's getting ran down on. So let's – I'm not mad at Isaiah. I'm not mad at anything that – had. like, I think it's a bad set of circumstances that happened to one player. He was, It was a contract year. He was trying to get his money together. I don't think the right thing for him to do in that situation was stay quiet, especially since LeBron is given, like, these super cryptic – non-answers most passive aggressive person you ever meet yeah like, we don't deserve <laughs> to be on television okay well what does that even mean dude like <laughs> if i'm the team and the only reason why i think isaiah really felt the need to say that is because he felt like if i don't say it no one's gonna say it i think the reason why he said that is because he hadn't heard it yet it's i think had that, that been discussed it. i think had that been discussed in the locker room but yeah like privately whatever or just amongst the team. I mean, he, they did, but Kevin Love was apparently the victim of that whole. Yeah, process. which which means which means. Okay, I put myself in Isaiah Thomas's shoes. All right, right? we yeah. just had a locker room meeting. Everybody seemed to point the finger at Kevin Love. Kevin Love which is standing there going like, no "Dude, sense. that doesn't make any sense." Yeah. I get the most rebounds. I'm always playing. I'm always doing my thing. I'm doing my role. I know. Right. I'm, yeah. I'm playing my role. I don't know what the hell y'all are talking about. So if I'm Isaiah Thomas and I'm seeing all this being said. My thing is, okay, I'm the new guy. I just got finished watching y'all from the outside. I've been recuperating all this time. I've watched the team. I see I see where you go wrong. That's not it. Kevin Love is not the problem on this team. And the fact that we're not discussing the real problem, well, okay, well, I'm just going to put it out there. The problem is when it gets hard, we all go our separate ways and do our own thing. Boom, I said it. Now that it's said, maybe we can get to it. Now, in my opinion... That's a leader-type thing to do. That's what a leader should do in the press. Or, or you know, if we're going to if we're gonna start demanding accountability, then let's, let's call it for what it is. Okay, fine. We'll call for accountability. Here's what it's supposed to look like. And for me, he just did a leader-type role, and he comes from being a leader on his squad. But he's not a leader on this team. LeBron does things a different way. And everybody seems to have a problem with Isaiah telling the truth. But I can't get past the fact that he told the truth. And he didn't tell the truth that was some mystery. It's not like he said, well, you guys don't notice, but 
uh, you know, LeBron's been having a problem with raging hemorrhoids, and it keeps him from <laughs> being able to jump and dunk and, and, and step in front of people because he's so afraid that he's going to pop a hemorrhoid in the middle of it. You guys don't know this, but, you know, that's that's the real problem. That's the real problem we're having. LeBron's hemorrhoids, <laughs> and, and J.R. Smith has plantar fasciitis in his foot. He's got gout. And that's the reason why we can't Thompson play. has Kardashian syndrome, and he yeah. can't seem it's to. Not like he, it's not like he ratted <laughs> anybody out. He only told the things that we already see. Maybe it wasn't his place to say it, but I think he only said it because he got traded for that. It hadn't been said before. Well, he got right. tra- or traded for that too. I right. think they were gonna trade him regardless anyway. So do, I. so do I. I don't even think that was. I think that 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 was a convenient excuse to yeah, get him out of the paint. But I'm I think wondering much how he's going to flourish in L.A., though. I don't know because I, the thing is no one's going to sign him to a, a max deal. I think that's off the table. I mean, no one's going to. which no, is foul because this is, this is the year he should have got it. He should have gotten it. And, and also the fact that I think playing with LeBron, they kind of exposed LeBron as a, as a person now and as a leader that he's very, very – he's not really a good teammate that people want to play with anymore. I think that's why you're seeing a lot of stars don't want to play with him anymore. Like Paul George was supposed to go to Cleveland or something on the trade. I don't even think he wanted to go to Cleveland. And I don't even think Carmelo wanted to go to Cleveland because he knew the situation was going to happen in Cleveland with all that stuff probably. And that's why Irving wanted to be traded and get out of, get out of there because he didn't play – his potential. He didn't play the way he wanted to play. He just played off LeBron, off the dribble and everything. Like, thinking about, like, what way he's playing right now in Boston mm-hmm. where he's passing and he's being a teammate and he's doing this and that. That's what he wanted to do. But with LeBron, you can't do it because it's LeBron's way. Everything's LeBron. Even the mm-hmm. coaches follow LeBron. I mean, mm-hmm. it's the assistant coaches to the assistant coaches are LeBron's coaches or something like that. Mm-hmm. And LeBron's a coach on the court and the GM. And he doesn't like the owner. So... <clears throat> You know, it's funny that people say he didn't want to go to New York, but if he could do all this in Cleveland with an owner that he doesn't like, I, don't, I think if he went to New York earlier in his career that he would have been better and he put it probably one, two or whatever and then leave and we probably would have been fine with it or whatever. But really, it comes down to this. Is he going to leave Cleveland? And the question I have to say, I mean, the answer I have to say to that is that he's probably going to leave Cleveland because of the owner and the fact that the team right now, even though it got younger, it's not really a team you think you're going to contend for the next couple of years. Even if you're going to try to get another star, which is probably not going to happen. You're probably, your best situation is to leave, go to Philadelphia, go to Houston, go to the San Antonio Spurs in some ways because those are the teams that give you a chance of winning a title. Houston, bro. Houston, bro. He goes to Houston. It's 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 something. It's top heavy in Western Conference. That means the Eastern Conference is wide open. If you think about it, I mean yeah, Boston and Raptors if, are good, but still. If the goal is to get a chip, you go to the team that beat the Warriors without you wanting. Because Durant went to the team that beat you without him on it, and that was also the series that changed the league forever. Right. And I would always be known to the series that changed the league forever because it changed Durant to the Warriors and the whole league is upside down because of that. But that's that's my thing. Like, okay, your your ambition now should not be to join the Warriors. It should be to beat them. Which makes no sense. He's joining the Warriors. His legacy is done. Yeah. Like, he, I mean, he, yeah, like it's just like he's just becoming a – you know what he's going to become once the Warriors? He's going to become a Robert Ory, but like a better version of Robert Ory, like like – Prime, not like just ring chasing or going one team to another, winning like seven rings and that. stuff. Yeah, like that's what he's, that. that's what he's gonna be. He's not gonna be Big Shot Ori, of course, but still, like he's just gonna be that guy that goes to one team after another, get a couple of rings. Yeah, you're officially a mercenary now. Yeah, merc- which I think he, I think he labeled himself as a mercenary without saying it, but I think we're looking at him more as a mercenary right now. And there's nothing wrong about that, but the fact that 
if I know you left Cleveland the first time and go to Miami and you wanted to do your four year the, the college program at Miami before you went back to Cleveland and everything, but <laughs> you still, used Miami as college. <laughs> yeah, because he was there for four years and he left, and um, you know he went back to Cleveland and I guess he got his master's degree and stuff. I don't know what he got. Hilarious. Then he goes to Houston, he gets his PhD degree, and then that's it for him. <laughs> like he's Hilarious. done. Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious <laughs> and accurate. And then he goes to Houston, and he goes to Houston because he gets his PhD degree or something like that. So it's like he's you becoming a mercenary, and you're seeing a lot of players in this league now becoming mercenaries because there's no loyalty anymore. Nah. And also, the reason why people don't want to go to New York is because of James Dolan, Dolan. But mostly, I think, in my opinion, is because of the pressure that the media and the fans do get on the players. That's a good point. That's a good point. They don't want to be dissed or or like you know like basically assaulted by fans or like saying bad things in newspapers and the tabloids that you read oh these guys a bum and he sucks when mm-hmm. you look at other places like Miami remember when when LeBron lost he's like the kid was like good effort good effort or whatever <laughs> and or or go on Golden State where if they lose fans would still love them and and everything but it's like those places and even OKC for instance if they lose like they won't kill the player or anything because they nah, love them. Not like that. Not, it, but in New York, you, you, you definitely killing. don't suffer the way you do in New York. Or in even L.A. in some ways, even though L.A. has been known to be a place where people go because they love the weather, which I have nothing against. I mean, if I, I go L.A. right now, I probably love it in there more than New York right now. To be honest, because I, it's all relaxed. It's freedom in California and. People be smoking weed and stuff outside. And, and the quality of life is real, really a big deal yeah, to them. People bike. They have fun. Like, everything is so early to them. Like, when they watch games, they watch, like, at 3 o'clock. And they still have time to w- do things at night. To go do whatever yeah, else. Yeah. Like the at, clubs close at 2 o'clock in the morning. Did you know that? Oh, I didn't know that. In California? Yeah. Wow. Most, most clubs close it. They stop. And I don't just mean close. I mean, last call is at, like, one thirty. But so they can have you out of the door by 2 o'clock. If you do three hours ahead, though, it is like 5 o'clock in New York City, which most places close around 4 or 5 or whatever. Yeah, but they don't it. have that. They, oh, yeah. There's none of that there. At 2 o'clock, you can like walk in the middle of the street. But, but still, I digress. you watch everything so early that you have time to at least do something for like 2 or 3 hours at night and then go or whatever. And which I'm, is kind of what they're into. Yeah. Quality of life is very big in L.A. I'll give you that. And, and, and to be honest, like somebody signed me to some big contract and I go to L.A. to do my job, I, I'll be happy with that, living that lifestyle while I go work there and everything. How, how mad could you be? <clears throat> I mean, it's a good, it's whatever. But of course, the wildfires is the one thing because that's been affecting a lot of people. And that's, that. But yeah, like thinking of that, like LA is not that much pressure. I mean, there is pressure because you got Kobe and Shaq that done things there, but and they want to win and they, they've known to be like, even though they, it's funny, they went to thirty two NBA Finals at Lakers and they only won sixteen out of them, which is which is like they should have won more. Should have won twenty something if anything. Yeah, but tell that to the other sixteen teams they shut out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And but and you got Boston; they have like seventeen out of like eighteen or nineteen final appearances. So they've been very efficient in Boston. Mm-hmm. And Boston's been killing overall because Patriots were in the Super Bowl, they lost, and all that. We'll, almost was a little bit of the football stuff when when we end the show. But going back to LeBron, just I think for me this this whole trade thing, people thinking they got better. I think it's just a way of saying if LeBron leaves, at least we have pieces to work with, and we have our draft pick. It's that simple. Well, uh, yeah, I, I really have a. I, I agree. There's nothing I else. I, I mean, agree. people think that they're the best team in the East now with these trades. They're younger, but they don't have that much experience. And I know people are like, oh, George Hill is there because he experienced the San Antonio Spurs. Well, he's in a system type of team. So we don't know what George Hill can be when he's with LeBron or with and other there's players. No, there's no saying that they fixed the problems defensively. That's the other part. Yeah, they got younger, but it doesn't mean they fixed the problems defensively. I mean,. 
in the Lakers when the, when Larry Nash Jr. and um <clears throat> and Jordan Clarkson were there, they're younger, but their defense was so bad. They wasn't giving Facts. up a lot of points. It Facts. wasn't like it was a, a guarantee they're gonna be suddenly better defensively. George Hill maybe because he's a defensive point guard. But L.A. is never the Lakers have never the new look Lakers have never played like Golden State when it comes to defense. Or yeah, like the Celtics. Like, yeah, it's not like there's some defensive juggernaut and you went and got the starting members of the offensive line. Yeah, off the off the Patriots. You know, it's that that's not what you did. Or the or excuse me, the Eagles. It's not like you went and got the Eagles defense. <laughs> You just went and got some dudes who weren't playing that great defense to begin with. And so I don't know what being athletic. younger has to do with that. I mean, like, like sure, they're athletic, but yeah, that doesn't mean defense that defense is defense. You could be out. You could have an athletic team, but if you guys can't defend, you guys can't defend, and it's all coaching and it's all instinct and it's all the situational stuff. They haven't been in big time situations like that, which is probably gonna hurt them. Even though LeBron's there, but. I mean, you got Tristan Thompson, you got J.R. Smith. What are they going to do? They've been bums the whole season. I mean, yeah, J.R. Smith's been an abysmal, and Tristan Thompson has Kardashian syndrome that just continues to affect him on the court and off the court. So it's like, what are you supposed to do? Just play it out the season, see what happens. But it's really, it's Boston and the Raptors. And don't get me started on the Washington Wizards because they've been disappointed the whole season. I, I don't know. I don't know. They've been trash. They, they lose to. To weak teams, not even losing to to harder teams, and their schedule's gonna get harder because Wall's not even gonna be playing a couple weeks because of the injury. So it's like they're gonna drop down slowly. I don't know if they're even gonna make the playoffs. They might make it and then slip out. You think they blow that team up after this season? To be honest, I thought they should have been blowing up a few years ago and should have had Wall to the Knicks, but they never they never even tried to do a trade for Wall. We Once could, we could trade him a few point guards. I mean, he, his yeah, contract is is reasonable. Like you can get him, and then you can probably sign him again. But if Wall was on the New York market and Porzingis was healthy, of course, and you have another star, you can um, do things with that. I mean, Wall is a good, good defender. He can score. True. Good pass. Pass first. Yeah. Pass first point guard. I mean, mm-hmm. the guy can do a lot of things. And if he was on the Knicks, and you know, people would embrace him a lot. I mean, the guy plays effort every single time he's on the court, and. And to be honest, I think he's more of a bigger impact than Russell Westbrook is with OKC. Because it's pretty much Wizards are like wall or bust, even though they've been playing well the past couple of games. But he really makes everybody there, better. Yeah. yeah, when he's not there, you really see the um, the difference. Whereas absolutely. OKC, I mean, they have George and they got Melo, and they still somehow, they don't know how they lose these games. But when they play against the Warriors, they somehow win. But people are going to be like, oh, they got the Warriors numbers now because they're 2-0 and and they've been playing well against them. Do you remember a few years ago when the Brooklyn Nets were four and zero against Miami Heat in the ser- in the season series when they had Paul Pierce and KG and all those group and they were four and zero against them? Then the postseason came along and they lost in five games. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that they're suddenly they're gonna be good because they're right things that they're gonna OKC's gonna beat the Warriors in the postseason. Right. Postseason is a different animal, different all level. Together. They people play more focusedly. Every possession counts. Like. With everybody involved. Look what happens to the Spurs when playoff time comes up. Yeah, like the Spurs could lose to the Rockets for all we know, two or three games, which I think they did last season, actually. In my, I think they did in the regular season. Then the, the playoffs came along. And they smacked them. They smacked them around. Like the Rockets smacked them the first game. But after that, they it smacked was, them around. It was, yeah. it was cake. Because they, they made an adjustment, and, I think, and that's what happened. And, and the last game that they won in that series was without Kawhi Leonard. And Which that was crazy. embarrassing to, to to Harden. How did Harden? I don't know what Harden did that game. He he was vanished. not. He just vanished. vanished. I think somebody drugged him. I think. And he we don't know. What, hungover. We don't know how Harden and Chris Paul are gonna be in the postseason. They've been known to not make it to the Western Conference Finals, except right. for Harden. We okay. See, they made it to the finals, of course. But Paul hasn't even gone out of the second round. Mm-hmm. Do we even know if he's gonna come out second round this year with the Rockets? What if he doesn't come out second round again? What are they gonna say? Paul's a choker. At this rate. 
at this rate, if you don't pull it off, yeah. If they if they don't get out of the second round, if they don't, it's a disappointment. Oh god, it's a complete disappointment. But has, has Paul gotten out of the first round ever? Yeah, he has. Not he, the second he round got out though. The first round. Always, but not the second round. This if he if he doesn't do it this time, he's done. The, the, with I, all this, he, they're yeah. gonna consider him a choke artist. They will, and Harden too, because if Harden doesn't get if Harden becomes MVP, which we all expect he will be, and doesn't make it out of the second round, it's it's a horrible season for them. Yeah, doesn't matter what they do now, because that's why I'm not so sore on the Rockets right now. People are like, oh, they're good and this and that. They're probably number one or two, whatever, right now with the Warriors and everything. They always been a good regular season team. Mm-hmm. Well, let me let me rephrase that. That Tony's teams have always been a, reg- a good regular season team when he has all the pieces around him. But when mm-hmm. it comes to the postseason, he doesn't he doesn't get it done. The Suns teams they went to Western Conference Finals, didn't get it done. Lost to the Mavericks, lost to the Spurs. You're right. Two teams that that were in the finals, one team won the championship. You're right. After that, that Tony was was never the same. So it's like that's why I'm not falling for the Kool Aid on the whole Rockets becoming this good and everything until they see them in the postseason. Can they get it done? Can they at least get to the World Finals? They're scary now, though. They are scary, but they're they're very scary. But I feel like we've seen this before with them when they when or D'Antoni's teams, for instance, when they they're good, they're great. Then they get to the postseason, it changes because you know why? In regular season, everything is fast break, easy opportunities. In postseason, it's half court. Possessional basketball, slowing it down. You're right. That's how you win championships. Way more meticulous. The That's coaches, how you win. The coaches yeah. coaching against your team specifically. He it's knows all it's half you. court. Yeah. You're right. That's why You're San Antonio right. did well against the Rockets that series because they were a half court team regardless, but they slowed the game down. Everything is slower, and because you're playing the same team like almost two weeks, and it's gonna be adjustments, and also you don't have like one day off or two. You're not gonna be the same as you were before, and. Even though the Warriors, they won the championship last year and they were like a fast-break team. And you saw how, how when Durant was with the Warriors against the Cavaliers, that completely changed everything because Durant had like wide-open dunks because they were so worried about Curry and Thompson and all the shooters around him. That's why Durant was like unstoppable in that series. Um, but they also have a good half-court set. I mean, they play some triangle. They do the the motion offense. They, they do pick and roll. They do a lot of things on half-court that makes them successful. Whereas Cleveland... They were just about three-point or bust, and they was also trying to run, but they couldn't because if they did, they would just get gassed out because the Warriors' pace and everything. Right. So that's why the Rockets, I'm like, if they're going to be good, it's going to be on their half-court side at least. They're good fast break, but in the half-court set, can they make as many threes as they can because they're shooting threes at an incredible rate right now. Is that going to be the same in the postseason, knowing they, this going to be adjustments? They, you're right. Because Hard, Harden goes to the rack, but he doesn't. And will they call the game differently? That's the thing too. Because Harden stops getting all these with the physicality. Ones, these because yeah, some they start letting them play. It's like they let it go. It's just a street. For the playoffs, it's yeah. almost like street ball. Basically, almost. you only have to earn everything. Like this isn't no like you're gonna get a call after call after call because everything is just gonna be. Can you make the shot over somebody with a foul call? Even though there was no foul call, like Harden not gonna get those same calls. So that's what I'm saying. Like it's completely different animal. But you know, we'll see if that happens. And of course, the All Star game is next week. Mm-hmm. We'll discuss these these celebrity oh, God. lineups that we have uh, here. I was discussing the curse of Team LeBron. Oh, LeBron is cursing everybody. I'm surprised Durant hasn't gotten injured yet. Oh God! <laughs> what did you just do? Oh God, no! What I, did you I, just do? I really hope he doesn't get injured before the I rebuke game. you. What did you just do? Oh, How could you say something God. like that? Well, Westbrook's on the team that? too. Who? Uh, Westbrook's on the team. Why too. are you still talking? <laughs> Jesus Christ! 
What are you doing? Oh, God. Can you believe? Uh, it, it never, never ceases to amaze me. He gets injured even when they're not even on the team. Not even that. I, I'm, I'm totally switching energy. You're still there. I'm trying to, trying to save you. It still gets me that Westbrook, Harden, and Durant were all on the same team. Could I know. Could you imagine him as the point, the second, and the, and the, and the fourth? They'll be better than the Warriors. Like, they they were the Warriors before, before the, the Warriors, Warriors became with, the Warriors. With just no... It's a doc. It's going to be a documentary, I'm telling you. Oh, yeah, the first 30 for 30. If 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 Shaq and Hardaway can have one... Penny Hardaway, yeah. Talking about Shaq leaving. Yeah. Shaq talking about I should have stayed. <clears throat> when it's all said and done, and all three of those guys have been NBA champions, and all three of those guys have been MVP, and all three of those guys have like just racked up accolade after accolade, and they turn out to be like the... The three of the top new fifty best players of all time. Yeah, they're, 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 list, yeah. they're going in. They're going in. Well, LeBron's on the list. Durant's on the list. Yeah, Curry first, should be on the list eventually. Westbrook's gonna be. For, yeah. and if we're talking about individual games, yeah, those three are definitely going in. And when they sit down to talk with each other, when they're all like fifty, and they're all sitting there, not even that long. Won't even take that long. When they're all forty, yeah. when they're all forty, and they're just sitting there. Together, rich as hell, successful as hell, they'll all the, champions. They'll all be in the table sitting together and talking about it. That's what's going to happen. They're all, all going to be, wait. all three of them are going to be the table. It's like the, the Bill and Bill documentary, the two yeah, Bills. Yeah, I can't wait for that <laughs> It's documentary. a great documentary, by yeah, the way. Yeah, it really was. Um, it really was. It surprised me a lot in the documentary, and I was switching talks here to the football, but the, the thing that this, the, was different about the documentary really was the fact that the respect that Bill Belichick had to go through to get it was kind of interesting because Lawrence Taylor at first didn't respect Bill Belichick because he was a small coach. He's like, he's kind of play football. But then he had all these schemes and all these adjustments. That, like, I respect Belichick now more than ever because the way he, he plans for stuff, like, he prepares these players like their life's on the line. But the adjustments that he makes on the fly is, like, unchar- it's always, always uncharacteristic amazing. because a lot of coaches, they stick to a scheme. Right. They stick with that scheme. They're, they are what they are with the identity. You don't know how to handle that. Yeah, like Belichick, he does it on the fly. Like he just, at second half, he he starts playing a dime formation or a dollar formation, which is like basically a lot more corners that have speed and this and that. Like he does more of that stuff, and it confuses offenses because they're like, "What the hell is that was happening here and everything?" That's why I'm like, those Giants teams that he won with, well, of course with Parcells, because Parcells has some credit in that too. But Facts. the coaching that they had there, the staff that they had, the Giants defenses were good. Belichick was one, of course, that, and then. When he left to go to the Patriots after he had the coaching for the Jets, I think the reason why he left, in my opinion, is because he didn't want to be a follower of Bill Parcells. Mm-hmm. He wanted to do his own thing, and he also did, he was also the fact that Parcells was so indecisive with his decisions on wanting the coach, wanting to be president, wanting to take a step back, mm-hmm. that he's just like, enough is enough. I'm just going to go to Patriots and do what I got to do. Mm-hmm. And then he had the dynasty right there in the Patriots. <clears throat> Speaking of the Super Bowl, though, mm-hmm. I'll probably end it with this show, the Super Bowl. I was very shocked that the score was that high. I was also very shocked that Nick Foles was making plays like the, like throws that I didn't think he could make in his career. He was making throws on fades on the deep route to to three defenders around one receiver and still making the throw, like the touchdown that he had for the running back. And then the touchdown to Zach Ertz, which was going to be a touchdown regardless because he was a runner and he took a couple of steps and he crossed the plane. And once you cross the plane, it's a touchdown. And also the touchdown Jeffrey. I mean, the guy was playing out of his mind. And the Eagles did what a lot of teams failed to do against the Patriots. They stick with their identity of who they are. 
They were an aggressive team the whole season. They had, like, the most fourth down conversions in the NFL, and they mm-hmm. still kept doing it on every possession. They had to be aggressive and knowing that field goals aren't going to stop Patriots. is going to be touchdowns. And they won the game. And I think that was impressive to me. I know Brady had a great game. He had, like, almost over 500 yards, but he had a strip sack. And like I said it before, and I'll say it again, the Madden curse, the MVP curse is for real. That is so nuts. <clears throat> that is so nuts. I didn't even think of that until you, you hit me on Twitter and you said that, like, the Madden curse. Was like, holy, was it Twitter or did you text me? I texted you. Text you. Me, you texted me. But I said on Twitter, the curse is real. That I was, was saying what so exclamation points. Nuts. The Madden curse strikes again, people. And the MVP, too, because MVPs are 0 and 9, and two of them have been Brady, and they he lost both of them. And the, and the good brother here, Moranis 10, go look. He actually he actually told me that. I He actually told me that beforehand. You're, you're actually the first person to bring the curse up to me, and I, I had completely forgotten about that. I also said that it, the only way the curse would be real is if Brady messes up in the biggest moment. And he did. And he did, and he did he with did. the sack, with the strip he did sack, with the strip sack, and m- missing, fumbling the ball. Yeah. When they when they uh, threw it to him. Oh yeah, and yeah. He missed it. Yeah. Because he had he had it right there. And then Nick Foles called that though, and he because Nick Foles used to be a tight end in high school, so he was used to catching the ball, and he, they called it. That was a gutsy play because Foles in the NFL, inside the NFL films, he was saying he wanted to call his play. He was saying Philly, Philly, which is that play, and he called it, and he caught the ball, and then you know. That right there, I mean, that was impressive that he was the first quarterback to catch a ball in the Super Bowl mm-hmm. and, you know, throw all these touchdowns. But he had a great postseason, Foles, and he played out of his mind. And that yeah. was the only way you could beat the Patriots. They played out of their minds. And don't let up. Don't start they throwing outs- the ball yeah, they kept time to run. Like, yeah. Just push it down their throats, which is where Atlanta lost it. You start throwing and throwing and throwing. and. But they ran the ball. They, they, they took time off the clock. They had a lot of good fourth down conversions that were big. Mm-hmm. Like, they were big. I mean, I'm telling you, man. Foles is going to be an Eagle, Philadelphia Eagle for life. He will never going to be. He won't have to pay for anything again. Because now what, what happens when Wentz comes back? What do they do? They have Wentz to keep, is clearly a better quarterback than Foles. But he's got to take a while. It's going to take him a year. And he got injured, I think, around December, if I remember correctly. So it's going to take a while. So they got to keep Foles. As insurance policy. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have, of course, you don't get rid of him, but he goes from winning you the Super Bowl to being traded. But no, I, yeah, not even traded, but like not playing. I just think for Foles and his situation right now, it's this. I, I kind of compare it to the Drew Bledsoe and Tom Brady situation, where Bledsoe got injured and then Brady was in, and they were playing well with Brady, and Belichick didn't take Brady out. You know, at the time, Bledsoe was a better quarterback. And I just think in that situation, you have to say to yourself, I know Foles is older than Wentz. Wentz is the future. But if you have a guy who's playing at this high of a level at this age and you have a young quarterback who probably, in my opinion, wanted to play in the Super Bowl so badly to win it, just looks weird now. He's going to be that guy that just got a ring because he didn't play. And the only way he can overcome that is if he wins the Super Bowl True. and beats that guy. And keep going with the Philadelphia dynasty and the Eagles because this team is loaded. You know, they're, they're very young. They, they have a good defense, That even though they got exposed to Brady, but everybody gets exposed to Brady. I mean, it's just face facts. You have a great defense. Unless you're the Giants of, of the 2007 or 11, you're oh, not going to have a great defense like him. Yeah, so it's like those defenses were crazy. And the fact also that Eli is still – 3-0 against the Patriots because even on the commercial, he's still better than the Patriots. He won over the Patriots even with the commercial, which is incredible. That commercial was terrible. They just won in life against the Patriots. It was, it was horrible. It was so funny. I, guess, I know. That was probably the best commercial. And also, the Avengers commercial was kind of cool because the scene. made me upset. Oh, because it was short? Yes. 
I mean, they start off with this epic. Oh, like the yeah, they like yeah, and then and then oh, Spider Man on the in space with the thing like that. That was incredible in space like that. Oh, the 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 Venom movie trailer looks terrible. It's not terrible. It's the fact that it was just Sony. It's a teaser. It's Sony. Then I gotta show. They show the symbiote, but they didn't show him with the symbiote. They just show the symbiote. Sony. It's. Anytime Sony does anything, Spider-Man's it's already Spider-Man's trash supposed to make juice. a cameo appearance anyway in the movie. Apparently, if they haven't given, just turn it all over to the MCU. Just leave them alone. I mean, Disney's already gone everything. Yeah, they got just, Fox. They might as well just get Sony. They might as well just take over the world because Disney's taking over the world right now. That's what it is right now. They're taking over everything. You go to Florida, Disney World. It is an incredible experience. Yeah, no, no, no. But it's a it's, town in itself. It's, it's yeah, it's as I'm saying, town. They have the street signs. It's really, it's really bizarre. It's, it's like incredible. Disney Way and Mickey Boulevard and Cinderella yeah. Avenue. Like they, they own the street signs. It's, they're they controlling the whole world right now. And the fact that in a few years from now, or probably a year from now, well, Disney's gonna have their own streaming app, like their own device of movies and TV shows and all that. So that why Disney? Is, why is ESPN firing so many people? Th- well, maybe Disney. I mean, Disney, I mean, they're Disney they, owned. They, they're a Disney they, owned company. They control ESPN too. Yeah, like so I, I said, I mean, they control like, everything. <laughs> where's the money for ESPN? How come they're firing so many? They're people? firing. They cut off like nearly over hundred people, and also those people are even going to Fox or other places. So it's like Christopher Saw went to Fox. Can't believe they got rid of Jamel Hill. Jamel, no, Jamel is still there, but he's not. She's not on Sports Center Six, which I didn't think it was a good show to begin with, but. Um, she's, she's doing still something. On ESPN? She's on. She's like doing things on ESPN, like being on around the horn, being on some segments of some other stuff. So, she because she wants to be a reporter again, you know. Because when you're an anchor, where's her boy? Uh, Michael Smith. I think he's just doing sports by himself for now. Mm. But the thing is, when you're like an anchor, you're not doing the same things that you were when you were like a reporter, where you're out there and you're doing this and that. Yeah, no, you're you an anchor. You're an anchor. The, you stay yeah, on behind the desk. Yeah. And, well, that's why anchor <laughs> is kind of like. Editor. It's like the it's like the grand prize. Like after you've been a reporter for so long, yeah. you've been on the beat, you've been traveling, you've been doing this, you've been doing that. That's paying your dues, and then you. Well, you, I think editors the same thing in the print world. I think if you, you pay yeah. your dues when you're a reporter and you, you become an editor, in, and you cash in and you hit the desk, and, you and just, now you're an anchor, yeah, you just, and you just you're yeah. on camera, yeah. but you're on camera way more, yeah, and you get to sit still. And and you, you only get, have to report into one place, and you get paid a lot of money. I mean, there's nothing wrong about that. No, it's graduating. Yeah, it's graduating. And I think she wanted to just go back to being a reporter again and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I mean, that's not nothing wrong against. I mean, Stephen A. Smith's like a reporter still, and whatever he does in ESPN, yeah, of course. Stephen A. Smith is greedy. He does everything. He makes like five million a year, he something does, like that. It should be more than that. Right? He makes a lot of money for a journalist, which is rare. Like, he's that's also, rare. He's also an actor. Well, yeah. He's also hosting. Well, the hosting guy kind of gives him more money too. I give him that. So if he's only making five million a year, he's being underpaid somewhere. This man is. All over the place. Him and Steve Harvey are like the two most famous black men I've ever seen in my life where they just never sit still. I, I didn't see Barack on television as much as I see these two. And Stephen A is like a celebrity that is yeah. an accident, basically, because he's a journalist. And most journalists aren't really celebrities. They're just, you know, what they do. But, but he's becoming a celebrity. But it's, it's, it's his personality that wins him out. It's well, his regular personality. Yeah, his personality is, you know, he just says things and goes crazy about it. But he yeah. means it. Like, he, he trashed the Wizards, he trashed the Knicks, and all what's happening right the now. The Knicks deserve to be trashed. They could be trashed unless Dolan trades the team away, which is not going to happen. Unless unless Dolan steps down. They're worth $3.6 as a franchise. Unless Dolan And steps they down. suck. Yeah. 
unless Dolan steps down. That's but, incredible. Or just gets all the way out of the way, which I thought he was going to do once. He was, Jackson but was there. for some reason, even when he did that, they still suck. So it's like. But, yeah, <laughs> but he gave the team to Phil Jackson. I think he just gives. I think he just gives them a bad case of mojo. He on, gave like, the team that. to Phil Jackson. That's what did it. If but Jackson had, didn't even want to be there to begin with. Which was also his decision. He literally gave him twelve million a year because. He he Jackson didn't want to be there, so he just took the money and did whatever. Yeah, Donnie Walsh, we were fine. <laughs> yeah, he was. We should have left it there. Yeah, Grant Gunwell with uh, Woodson, and he let him go. Yeah, we, we. Steve Mills is there and Scott Perry, but we don't know what they're gonna do. I don't know what they're gonna they, do. They're making moves. I'm seeing I'm seeing some things. We just. I think Perry coach. wants to get Mark Jackson. I I, I, I don't know if he's a Mark Jackson guy because we don't know what Perry really is looking for in the coach, but development ma- is key right now. And they can't develop for for and nothing. Mark Jackson. If he can't do anything else, he can develop players. And we know he can do way more than that. He also knows what it is to play with a big man, a prolific shooting big man. Do you think he would have won the title with the Warriors if Jackson was still coaching? Yes. One or two? I think what they have now, Jackson would have got. I don't know. Because I feel like defensively they'll be good. But the offensive part, I think that worried me a little I, bit I because there's so much creativity. With the like, Kerr took their offense to another level. Like it was good offensively, with Jackson, but he took it to another level defensively. They they were Jackson. I, I don't. Were, I don't. I can't <clears> say that. <throat> I can't say that definitively because Curry hit his prime when this Curry guy came. when Kerr showed up. Well, he I, just so happened to be hit, hitting his. He remember he had all the ankle problems before that. Yeah. He was injured and he could never really find a groove. Yeah. He and he and um Clay both hit their peak underneath Kerr. So I can't say what would have happened if Mark Jackson would have like the offense, I can't say what, what Mark Jackson would have added had he known that he now has two of the best shooters on the face of the earth as sure. his one and two. Sure. So Kerr, Kerr, for me, Kerr was just a matter of circumstance and convenience. I don't take anything away from Kerr. I think he can coach. But if you're asking me, would they have the same rings? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Same ring, same team. You give him that team, he gets you those rings. I believe that. I think he developed those players to do exactly what they're doing. And I think without his development is so good that without him there, they're still doing exactly what it is. And they still call him coach. Well, it's true. I mean, you have to. I mean, he's the one who made them who they are, development and everything, and that's the team that they have right now. So, and they're great. Yes, yes, I think Mark Jackson over to the Knicks with this young. I think we'd win more games now with a better coach. We hang with these other teams for two and three quarters. The third quarter, we get blown out. The fourth <laughs> quarter, we get blown out. Yeah, that's true. But we hang with teams where right there with them, we're neck and neck. We may be like five points ahead, five points behind. We're never down by double digits. We're always right with them. And then it takes one quarter of adjustments from the other coach to completely kill us. And then we never come back. We never make adjustments for those adjustments. And that sucks. The rotations are crap. The players get hot, they get pulled. Well, I always compare like getting coaches or whatever into the next level or whatever team that they have or the stack team that they have. It's almost like when you're when you're with your girlfriend or whatever, and it's like the like the first couple years, or whatever, and and you say to yourself, this is like a rebuild for me, because mm-hmm. maybe there's somebody else out there that's like your win now mode, and and you know another a girl out there that's like a win now mode. You'll be with that person. And that's the person you'll probably be with for the rest of your life or whatever. But you learn experiences from your first relationship or second right. relationship going to that next one. And that's the one probably because, you know, you probably both of you have already been in relationships already. And you're just like settling down now and that's it. That's what Steve, it is. Steve Kerr is the, the <clears throat> girlfriend you get after the girl who taught you everything. But this girl has like a bigger butt. <laughs> 
or, <laughs> or bigger boobs or better a better job or she's like the upgrade from what she she just doesn't have that one thing or she's like so career annoying. focus or something right yeah that something one like thing that. that didn't annoy you about your ex is what what she yeah is. not that that thing that annoyed you was such a bad thing it wasn't no but it, it just was annoyed you yeah it was just like you and know. you probably could have lived with it because everything else was great but then this next girl shows up and she's everything your ex was but she doesn't have that one thing yeah I mean, that's something wrong about that. I mean, that's that's life, you know. You, you I might. Want, I want Mark Jackson to come and be <laughs> that, be the everything but the one thing. So I guess we could close the table though on Bill Belichick not going to the Giants because they really have their coach already, the Giants, and that's about it. So Bill Belichick, Sucks. I think his career is probably he's probably gonna retire after next season. Some you rumors think? about well, because Josh McDaniels pretty much sabotaged the Colts and just stay with the Patriots now because which of all the, which I don't understand. I mean that you can't be doing that when you have already a staff in pace and in place and then you just go there and you don't even show up. That was foul. That was really foul. That was foul. So what are the Colts going to do? Now they got to find whoever their second or third person were and see if they want to accept the job now. And that person knows that they and, were the second or third person. And the assistant coaches, they all I don't know what to happen to them now. They yeah. they were signed. So he really, it's like he really screwed a bunch of people. Yeah. So it's like like he pulled the bell check. If you think about it, he pulled a Belichick. So now we're gonna see if he's actually gonna be head coach of the Patriots when Belichick retires. If he doesn't, then he looks like a foolish then he looks idiot. Even worse, yeah, then he looks. Even and worse. he'll never get a head coaching job ever again. No, not after doing that. Not doing that, yeah. He doesn't deserve one. Yeah. That was that was really really foul. It was. What he did was really really foul. And Brady, one. I don't know how long he's gonna play. He said forty five, but I think he might play like a year or two, and that's it. I, I say I say two to three years. What what is he now? Forty. Yeah. I say two to three years. I say he goes another three What if years. he has a horrendous season next season? I don't see it. Because of age. I don't see it. At some point, you got to break down, man. You can't live. You can't. You don't live forever. You're not a robot. I just, <laughs> I just, I just don't see it. You're not, Brady's not a robot. But we're also not talking about a quarterback who's taking a lot of wear and tear. At least not yet. Period. <laughs> and at this point in his career, he has not taken. We're not talking about the kind of injuries that Elway took or. or or Montana, or well, it was a different era. Remember that era was more but punishing. But yeah, okay. Well, even even um, that was like soft and even, stuff. Even Manning on the Broncos, like we're not talking about or 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 uh or or Cam Newton on the Panthers. We're not talking about a quarterback who takes the or Andrew Luck. We're not talking about a quarterback or Russell who, Wilson or Russell Wilson. Look, look, look. Eli Manning. Rattled, we just rattled <laughs> off Eli Manning. We just rattled off like Ben the Roethlisberger. Other, the other six, seven top dudes. And who got gets getting hit? Ben Roethlisberger. He never takes any level of this punishment. Like, those levels of punishment, he never sees. Ever. Because they Ever. protect them. Right. Well. So if that's the case, then really think about what his job looks like. He takes a snap. He stands up. He looks around. Throws it quickly. He throws a ball. Quickly. Less than two seconds. That's, and then that's, he's again. That's not a lot of yeah. exertion. Or he doesn't run. Yeah, There's no not, running. No. And he does run. He just slides because he's yeah. not going to get hurt. Not, but, but how often does that even really happen? Not a lot. Early in his career, he, he ran, but not like Yeah, now. but not now. Yeah. So my whole thing is when people are talking about him retiring and all that other stuff, all I ever say is, dude, look at him. Just look at him. First of all, he wasn't like some athletic freak to begin with. Never was. So let's yeah, let's, let's get that out the picture. It's not like he has that to lose. That's my point. It's not like that's a gift that's going to go away, his athleticism. He wasn't that to begin with. He's got a good arm and he's got a great eye. He's got a great, great field vision. None of those are affected by age, right? Maybe the arm, those but the not inta- really. Those are the intangibles, though, like right. his vision and all that stuff, decision-making and everything. So his, his arm's not really in that great, that, that in much peril because... He does his thing and he gets rid of the ball. He doesn't get 
His body is fine. It's pretty much untouched because he never gets tackled. And he also doesn't blow his legs out because he's not running all over the place. There's no concussion protocol. He's never broken a bone. Like, what are we really talking about? We're talking about a dude who's pretty much in pristine condition for a 40-year-old football player. We're but, talking about a dude who's barely... You know how you get a car? Yeah. And it's like 10 years old? Mm-hmm. But then the guy tells you this car was owned by a little old lady who only drove it on Sundays to go to church like every once a week. And the church was like four miles a day, four miles away. So it's been driven eight miles every every once a week. One day out of out of eight, this car has been driven. That's what Tom Brady is. That's a, he's he's like he's like a nineteen seventy something car that just so happens to have like no miles on it. That's it's got crazy. like a thousand miles on it. It's a crazy analogy, <laughs> but, it's, but it's a fact. Yeah, it's a, when you really look at it, like what does what does he really have? If if Cam Newton retired at forty, it made perfect sense. Ben Roethlisberger has been talking about retirement for the last two, three seasons. Mm-hmm. Makes perfect sense. If Andrew Luck wanted to cash out, he doesn't want to retire, but he wants to get the hell out of there so he can keep his career. Eli they screw, they screw his career up, man. Yeah, they beat him up. They, 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 they've killed, killed him. It, yo. But that's my whole point. Tom Brady mm-hmm. hasn't had to. Even, even the guy who, in my opinion, is better than Brady. Rodgers. Rodgers. Out with an injury. Tom Brady has not had to deal with any of these things. Well, yeah, a torn ACL one year, but after that, he was still fine. You see how lame that is, a torn yeah, yeah. ACL? Like, you could fall wrong and do that, and that wasn't at 40. That's a 30-something. Exactly. That's a different injury. Those are two different time periods that have an injury. You get injured in your early 30s versus your early 40s, you're healing different. It's different. We're talking about a man who, like I said, is in pretty much pristine condition for a 40-year-old quarterback. He's like a classic car that's never been touched and only driven once a week just to keep the engine going. So when he talks about retiring at 45, I can completely understand why he feels that way. The game's not really that hard to him. Yeah, It's really not that difficult. Like Ben Roethlisberger getting beat up, Andrew Luck, Eli Manning, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All those dudes getting beat up, I get it. If, it, if Cam Newton running out the pocket getting smashed, yes, totally makes sense. Him wanting to retire at 40, 45, and everybody's like, that's impossible. It's only impossible when you consider what everybody else goes through but him. Or what he goes through versus everybody else. What if he says he plays until he's 50 after he goes 45? Depends on what he looks like at 45. If Belichick keeps that offensive line the way it is, dude. What if he, what if he plays until he's 50 and then he says he's going to play until 55? Hey, come on, man. Let's see what it looks that's like. A, that's, a, that's too much, man. I, I, I never... Is he I, the greatest player of all... Greatest athlete of all time? If he does that. If he went, I thought if he won this title, he would have had that, but he didn't. Yeah, but there's nothing saying he won't come back and win. It they next say year. some people said the dynasty is over after that. Yes, yeah, but we'll see what happens next season. I know. Off after one loss, well, Gronkowski said he might retire. That's an emotional Gronk. I don't, I don't trust that. But he has been doing a lot of he injuries. He has been though. getting beat up a lot, but knee, head, he, everything. He, but he was talking from an emotional standpoint after. Just oh losing. yeah, and also a bunch of sore losers because after the Super Bowl, they didn't even do their their annual in game exits interview yeah, with they, people. They, yeah. they weren't even there. Like one person was there. He's like, I don't want to talk to you. Like that's how you know they're a bunch of sore losers. They man up and just answer the damn questions. Yeah. Yeah, like everybody else's. Everybody answers that when they lose. Do the same thing when you lose. Oh, no, because you guys are sore losers. That's what it is. I'm, I'm with you. It's crazy, man. Well, that's the end of the football season for us, but we still got a lot to talk about basketball. And, of course, a little it's bit of baseball, baseball because that's the only thing we can pretty much talk about. The Yankees are the only good team in sports right now in New York. I'm 
about to go uh, start back on my MMA kick. <laughs> start this UFC kick. They're doing some great work over there. Some real entertaining fights coming up. I do. I have to catch up on that. I catch up on boxing too. Cause on it's been, 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 I'm been not fighting. even interested in boxing anymore, thanks to UFC. It's, oh, it's, it's, it's so, so UFC's so, taking over for you. Oh my God, yes. Oh my God, yes. And it's not to say I don't enjoy boxing. I like boxing, but I'm following the UFC. I'm, you know what I mean. Yeah. I know the names of the fighters. I know the camps they train at. I know who their trainers are. I know their uh, disciplines as far as martial arts are concerned. I know who's a wrestler, who does judo, who do, who practices karate, who's just a boxer. Like I, I, I'm, I'm following UFC. They have completely taken boxing out of my frame of interest. I'll come back over and watch a boxing fight if something's happening, <laughs> but. I mean, the people who get spoken about most in boxing, from what I can see, outside of boxing aficionados, yeah, the only people who transcended the sport are mostly people who are already retired. It's true. Mike Tyson still gets talked about all the time. Floyd Mayweather <laughs> still gets talked about all the time. Mr. Dino, of course. De La Hoya still gets talked about. All the, these are people who are not fighting anymore. The only per, only fighter I know like that is Deontay Wilder and Shannon, Shannon um, Briggs. And uh, wait for somebody to give him a shot because that man's an animal. <laughs> interesting though. Well, it's gonna be interesting these next couple of months because basketball and the trades and the All Star game and the All Star break. Let's see what happens. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's see. Well, that's gonna do it for today's show, guys. You can follow me at Mornis Ten. I'm Mr. Mech. Yeah, M R M E C C. Look at you. Look at I you. said it for because I wanted to make Look sure it was learning. on Twitter. M R M E. CC. On That's Instagram like too. It's not Instagram. Yeah, it's Instagram. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, you can follow, of course, on the Slam City Facebook page. We've been getting a lot of likes lately. And also on our Twitter account, we've been getting followers and a lot of clicks on SoundCloud. So, I'll see you next week. Peace.